0: Ask Anything, a podcast presented by Mosher Consulting. Join us every Wednesday to find out who from Mosher's more than 200 resident experts we'll be talking to and what they're focused on at the moment. Trends, security, setup. Ask Anything and we'll give you our best answers. Go
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of ASCII e Anything presented by Mosure Consulting. Today we have an episode centered on Red Hat, more specifically on Quarkus, one of Red Hat's most formidable tools. It is worth noting that Mojure Consulting is a Red Hat Apex partner and in 2020, Mosure was named Red Hat System Integration Partner of the Year. With us today we have Jim Garrett of Red Hat who will talk about what Quarkus is and what it could do for you or your organization. Jim works at Red Hat, the world's leading provider of open-source software solutions. He is part of the North American Channel Solutions Architecture Group, responsible for helping customers solve the most difficult and challenging problems they face. He believes in using technology to empower others through open communication, sharing of knowledge, and liberal use of open source. For the past 20 years, Red Hat's open-source software development model has produced high-performing, cost-effective solutions. Red Hat's model mirrors the highly interconnected world we live in, where ideas and information can be shared worldwide in seconds. Today, more than 90% of Fortune 500 companies rely on Red Hat. Red Hat offers the only fully open technology stack, from operating system to middleware, storage to cloud, and virtualization solutions. Red Hat also provides a variety of services, including award-winning support, consulting, and training. Jim has lots of past consulting experience in the fields of enterprise architecture, solution architecture, and end-to-end implementation. He also has a solid management experience starting up new IT projects and engagements, program management, client relationship, team building, and delivery with global multicultural teams. Jim, thank you very much for being with us today. We really appreciate your time. We really want to hear more about Quarkus. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks. A real pleasure to be here with you and to to have an opportunity to talk about Quarkus.
1: That's phenomenal, Jim. And we really appreciate you taking the time here today to talk to us. So let's dive right
0: in. Can you describe what Quarkus is? So for the common user, they need to understand that Quarkus is a full stack Kubernetes native Java framework made for Java virtual machines. It's optimized specifically for containers, and enabling it to become an effective platform for serverless cloud and Kubernetes environments. In fact, from the outset, Quarkus was designed around a container-first philosophy. And what this means is that Quarkus is optimized for low memory usage and fast startup times. So when an application is compiled down to a native image, it starts much faster, and it can run with a much smaller heap than the standard Java virtual machine. So as much processing as possible is done at build time, so your application will only contain the classes that are actually needed at runtime. In a traditional model, all the classes that are required to perform the initial application deployment hang around for the entire life of the application, even though they're only used once. But with Quercus, they're not even loaded into the production Java virtual machine. And what this does is it results in less memory usage and faster startup time as all the metadata processing has already been done. So all of this combined together makes Quarkus an ideal choice for containerized applications. Interesting, I was reading yesterday about what the name
1: Quarkus means, and I found something interesting that Quark means elementary particle, and then us, uh, somebody made a joke about us being the hardest thing in computer science, meaning us humans. So that's, uh, I found that very interesting uh, yesterday. Thanks for that answer. Next question, Jim. How did Quarkus come about? With what motivation and goal was it developed?
0: So Quarkus came about with, uh, with two main goals. The first goal was to improve the developer experience when developing microservices. And the second was to make Java a language of choice for microservice and serverless architecture. And at its core, Quarkus is just an open source project that's sponsored by Red Hat, but it's also contributed to by several other organizations outside of Red Hat.
1: Interesting. So let's dive a little bit deeper then. What are the strengths of Quarkus? I understand it combines a reactive and imperative development in the same application.
0: How does that translate Mm -hmm. into a strength? It's a good question. So one of the key strengths of Quarkus is that it helps you save money. In the past, every company bought the hardware they needed to run their applications. So you spent money on acquiring it. However, today we don't buy hardware anymore, but we pay for its usage. We pay for CPU, we pay for RAM, and and basically the more CPU and RAM we need, the more we pay. So the usage of CPU and RAM actually matters. Quarkus, in its native mode, helps you cut down that CPU usage by reducing the boot time and the time per request. And it reduces the memory requirements by up to tenfold in comparison to what other traditional Java frameworks perform. You combine this with the serverless aspect of Quarkus, and what we deliver is a solution that not only gets built when it's running, but it then goes to sleep and doesn't consume any resources. So that's there's, there's one other benefit using Quarkus, and that is what we call live reloading. This is something that other languages already have, but it's something fairly new to Java developers. So with live reloading, what that means is it allows you to make a change in any file of your application without having to recompile and repackage it. Without live reloading for a change to be reflected in the running instance, you had to compile and package the entire application, stop the previous instance, and restart the whole application. But with Quarkus and live reloading, you only need to save the change, and the change is almost instantly reflected in the running instance. So no compilation, no repackaging, no restart. And then last but not least, and this kind of gets directed more to your question, Quercus is also based on well-known specifications like JAX-RS, JPA, CDI, Bean validation, and microprofile. What this means is that everything you already know about using those tools can be used in Quercus. And the other way around is true also. Everything you learn about these specifications in Quercus can then be used in other projects not based on Quercus. So you really have a good advantage as you don't need to learn or investigate how to do things in each of the frameworks that you're already developing.
1: Wow, that's, a, that's very interesting to see how Quercus works, not just in an active role, but also in that background in that it allows Java developers just to start something, leave it right there, and then the system kind of doesn't burn up your system itself. So speaking of those strengths, you, you mentioned a couple of times uh, microservices. So how does Quarkus Mm -hmm. get applied to microservices, reactive applications, message-driven microservices, and serverless?
0: So for years, the client-server architecture had been the de facto standard to building applications. But with the invention of the cloud, a major shift happened. The one model that rules them all age is over. And in its place, a new range of applications and architecture styles has emerged, and and it impacts how code is written and how applications are deployed and executed. So Quarkus has been designed with this new model in mind, and it provides the first-class support for these different paradigms. So, for example, the Quarkus development model morphs itself to adapt to the type of application you're developing. If you're exposing a simple RESTful endpoint, you can rely on the well-known standards, such as JAX-RS and JPA, to do that. If you need milliseconds of response time, 100% uptime, low latency, push data instead of pull, higher throughput and elasticity, Quirkus gives you a head start with its reactive programming model. I was reading a little bit
1: yesterday about this, about just how fast it is, about how it sort of build a container first philosophy, right? I think that's sort of where along the lines where we're going with this. Putting all this together, Jim, what does this mean for Java developers who are used to other types of frameworks when, when working?
0: So really what it means, in all honesty, Java developers continue to write Java just like they have in the past. Nothing has changed. The only difference is with Quarkus, their Java code is much simpler to containerize and much simpler to move into the cloud. In addition, something that most Java developers are not going to be accustomed to is what I talked about previously which is the live reloading of their code. And that's a huge selling point. If you've ever developed any type of Java application, if you can simply redeploy that application by saving a file and it automatically deploys it and you can instantly test it, that actually saves a lot of time in development cycles. So really, for Java developers, the way they write code is the same. This just makes it a lot simpler and faster to do it.
1: Yeah, something to the effect of develop it, save it, and it's up and running, right? Something that quick, that easy, that just allows the developers to have an easiness of use and just then put something out there that's quicker than what they're used to, right? That's right.
0: And you combine that with the ability that it's, it's instantly available inside of a container, and you've just created the best thing some sliced bread. <laughs>
1: that's good. So you mentioned earlier serverless computing. For those of us that are not you know, Java developers or that are not really into the IT world other than just the basic stuff, what does that mean? What, what is serverless computing?
0: The important thing to understand about serverless is it doesn't mean without a server, but instead it means without a specific server. And the way I like to think about serverless is it implies that the containerized application doesn't actually start to consume resources until an actual request is made. This implies no memory, no CPU, no disk space is used until a call is made to the application. And when the call is made, the cloud server is responsible for quickly spinning up that application, sending the request. The application will then service the request and return a reply. And if no other requests are made, it shuts down. So this should imply that the application needs to be able to start within milliseconds and then process the request. And in this example, the application is compared to what we call function as a service for on-the-spot execution.
1: And how quickly that response occurs, right? Even though, as you said, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily completely serverless. So is Quarkus open source? If yes, what's the benefit of this?
0: Yes. So the short answer is yes. Uh, Quirkus is absolutely open source. The benefit is that the development community has access to all of the source code for Quirkus, and they have the ability, if they want to, they can contribute into the upstream development code base. The difference... When you run Quarkus with Red Hat is that you're using the enterprise version of Quarkus, which is going to give your customers a version of the open source Java stack that is supported by Red Hat.
1: So basically, if you, if you do run Quarkus through Red Hat, you're getting that benefit of getting, you know, the big company behind you, providing you all the tools necessary that you might need in the eventuality you use Quarkus.
0: That's right.
1: How does the Quarkus Java framework compare with Spring? How do you think the Spring API compatibility in Quarkus will help developers?
0: So first of all, both Quarkus and Spring offer a very powerful stack of technologies and tools to build Java applications. In general terms, uh, Quarkus inherits its core features from the Java EE stack with tools like CDI and JaxRS being the most evident example. On the other hand, Spring follows an alternative modular architecture based on the Spring Core. And in terms of microservices, they also differ as Quercus leverages the profile API, while Spring Boot relies on the Spring Boot actuator and the Netflix So besides the different stacks, Quirkus has unique features available out of the box, such as build time, class initialization, Kubernetes resource generation, and Grail VM native image support. So although there's no official benchmarks in the typical case of a REST service built with Quirkus, you can observe a memory reduction to half, and you can increase the boot speed by five times. So in terms of compatibility, it's worth mentioning that while users are encouraged to use your CDI annotations for your applications, Quarkus provides a compatibility layer for Spring dependency injection in the form of Spring DI extension.
1: So basically, Quarkus does provide an advantage when it comes to speed, right? As you were mentioning, just that it it provides a quicker speed of developing for those that are using it versus the Spring API. However, they are very similar in what they do
0: mm mm-hmm. That's correct. They're very similar in what they do. I,
1: I mentioned something earlier about uh, Quarkus being container-first. Since Quarkus mm-hmm. is a relatively new framework that promises lightweight development of container-first applications in Java, what is meant by container-first? What does that mean?
0: So what it means is um, Quarkus from the beginning was thought to work perfectly inside a container. So by its architecture, they wanted it to work perfectly inside a container. So by providing a way to compile an enterprise application to native code, it's very important, As well known by the Java community, the JVM program running inside a container can eventually blow up without any obvious reason. The true reason for this crash, it's, it's related to the fact that Java was created a long time ago before Linux containers entered the scene. And at that time, the JVM didn't have the notion of a container, So the process tried to use as much memory and CPU as the hardware machine was able to provide. So when you put a Java program in the container, it tries to grab as many resources as possible, sometimes going beyond the boundaries of the container. And when this happens, the Linux kernel stops the container and the process that's running inside of it, too. So although this has improved since then, you know, making... Java 11 ready to be used in containers, you still need to know how to do it. And Quarkus fixes that problem by providing a way to produce a native executable of your enterprise Java application. So you get the same behavior as any other native compiled program when they're run inside a container. The second direction is is that we're not creating what's called a big Uber jar, but rather we create a small Uber jar, which provides fast build time. So this feature is very useful in case you're not building the native executable, but running your Quercus application in the JVM using Java. Other frameworks in comparison have the concept of what they call an uber jar, where they bundle everything in the application along with all the required libraries into that very large JAR file. So this isn't a problem if you're not building a container to run that application, but if you use container technology, then things become a little bit more interesting. When you create a Docker container, the container is generated in layers. So each step is used to build the container and is stored in that layer, so it can be reused by other builds. Using a heavy, big Uber jar means that for any change in your code, you're creating a new layer, which is tens of megabytes in size because your application layer is the application and all of its dependencies. Reproduce two artifacts. One jar containing the runnable code and another one containing the dependencies. And what this effectively means is if two layers are created in the container, one for the code, one for the dependencies. So any change in your code implies only a small layer with just the runnable code as the dependencies are going to be reused from the previous execution. And that's one of the things that allows Quirkus to be so quick when it goes to startup.
1: You know, even for, for people like me that are brand new to code and are brand new to these kinds of topics, making sure that after every action that they receive, they just put out so much, um, I'll call it energy, but so much information that they can just react quickly and not be bogged down by what's what was already there, right? That's correct, yes. So. Red Hat is already using Quarkus in their products and services. How is it helping Red Hat and in increasing the efficiency of your cloud native applications?
0: So Red Hat is, is always working on increasing the efficiency of cloud native apps. And they do it in several ways through a combination of practices and technologies and processes that eventually lead to cloud native application success. For example, we constantly evolve our DevOps culture and practices to embrace new technology. We're constantly speeding up existing monolithic applications with simple migration processes that eventually lead to microservices and mini services. We like to choose the right tools for the right application by using a container-based application platform that supports a large mix of frameworks and languages and architectures and we implement continuous delivery and advanced deployment techniques to accelerate the delivery of the cloud-native applications.
1: It's interesting how they use that to to make sure that their cloud-native applications just continue to grow and continue to excel at what they do. So what is the product messaging for Quarkus on OpenShift?
0: Quarkus was built from the start, of course, to be Kubernetes native. Quarkus starts with a small footprint, little memory, fast startup for Java. It's great for containerization. It's great for orchestrated microservices and serverless. And then it touches on developer productivity features like live coding, remote development, reactive and imperative programming models, supports for MicroProfile, and it also provides for new innovation for Java and the extension of the ecosystem. So with Quirkus now being included in OpenShift, The message will get a refresh to provide more detail around why it's the best choice for modern microservice and serverless development. So, for example, calling out the parts of Quercus that integrate directly with OpenShift make it easier to develop compared to what people do today, either on or off of OpenShift. And longer term, the messaging will add support for what we call K-native functions, OpenShift pipeline integration, and new work on the operators that Java developers are creating. So in
1: turn, making it easier just to use Quarkus on OpenShift or really on any other application that it might be applied to, correct?
0: That's correct, yeah. And that's that's the core of it right there. It makes it so much simpler to develop code. I've been developing Java code since, Java first came out, I've seen all of the trends. I've lived through a lot of pain, and I can honestly say that Quarkus helps to alleviate that pain. It helps to develop things quicker. The fact that you can containerize it and push it up into a container platform like OpenShift very seamlessly, and that is a huge leap forward in being able to develop Java code. And, and one other thing I might want to add is, you know, Java, there's a lot of competitive products to Java. There are things like Node.js and uh, the different things like You can do with JavaScript, AngularJS. So so there are options. And without Quercus, honestly, it made Java a very difficult choice because of things like slow start time. But with Quercus, it levels the playing field. It takes those those Java developers that you have, and it breathes new life into them so that they can start to develop microservices and and get into coding with containers and serverless and Knative and all those other great buzzwords that you hear.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it sounds like everything is easier with Quirkus, to be honest. I mean, everything you've described so far, if, if you're out there and you're interested in starting to develop code for Java, I would say this would be a good place to start with uh, Quirkus.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can start to reuse all of those Java developers that you have today, repurpose them, start developing containers with them. Interesting. Well, I've got
1: one last question here, Jim. Uh, who could we follow up with to get more information about the upcoming Quirkus capabilities of MTA?
0: So I would, uh, first of all, do a Google search. Uh, look up Quarkus Red Hat. Uh, that will obviously provide very good direction on who to follow up with. There is one individual at Red Hat. His name is Miguel Perez-Calino. He is a, a great resource To get more information about Quercus, his email address, we can can actually provide that to you at a later point if you like. But in short, those two resources, I think, are, are the people that you would want to look towards.
1: All right. Well, you heard the expert. Jim Garrett is here with us today from Red Hat. Jim, it has been a pleasure to talk to you today, learning a little bit more about Quirkus myself. So I really appreciate your time and your answers. I have learned a lot from you today, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Thank you very much. Once again, uh, Jim Garrett from Red Hat.
0: Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been my pleasure.
1: If you have any questions about Red Hat, don't forget to contact Mosure Consulting at mosureit.com. your technology partner. Go